to The Truth In This Art. I am your host, Rob Lee. And today, I have the privilege of chatting with a Washington, D.C.-based artist, Catherine Zulon-Mann. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. I'm really excited to be here. I am excited to have you here. And um, we were chatting beforehand, and I was... I was bridging things. I was making sure that both of those were properly dipped. Now I can actually get to the right questions. Also, for context, just so you know, um, there are rapid-fire questions at the end. So Okay, yeah. I'm ready. <laughs> yeah, just so you know, just so you know. Because people, people get the nerves. They're like, oh, no, I thought we were good. I thought we were friends. Now Rob's attacking <laughs> me with questions. <laughs> I'll see if I can hold my own. All right. I, I'm sure you can. I'm sure you can. Um, so I want to start off with those who are undipped. Give us those vital stats, and could you introduce yourself? Like, what's your background? I, I went very brief, but what's your background and the, the whole thing? How would you introduce yourself? Sure. Um, so my name's Catherine Zalon Mann. I'm a painter, a public artist, an installation artist. I'm based in Washington, D.C., um, and I've been based in D.C. for a little bit more than 10 years, about a decade. Um but I grew up moving around. Uh, I moved every two or three years as a kid. Um, so that kind of comes into my art. And um, I make very large paintings uh, and installations um, that are pretty busy and maximalist and luxuriant. Um, a little bit abstract, pretty abstract, but not fully abstract. Uh, and. Uh, that's yeah. That's that's what I do. <laughs> I'm also a mother of two. Thank you for sharing. Uh, and I, and I like some of the words that you use. I was like, mm, uh huh. I like that. <laughs> like oh, size large. Got it. Um, <laughs> Very large. Yes. <laughs> so let's 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 go back. What first interested you in making art? And um, like, how did you know that art was a career for you? Like those kind of like like the in the beginning sort of things um, for you as on that artistic journey. So my answer to that is pretty boring. Um, I'm like, I'm one of the, I was one of those kids that I always knew I wanted to be an artist, mm -hmm. basically since I can remember. I think that the main um, journey that I was on or I've been on is the realization that it actually is possible to make a living as an artist, to live your life as an artist, to have that be your, your main thing in life. Um, I worked as a graphic designer for a little while. I've done a lot of teaching, um, and now I'm a full-time artist. Um, but it's something that I always kind of gravitated towards intuitively. Um, I had this upbringing where I was moving so often. So I, I think that I had a kind of tenuous sense of home and sure. place and making art I would always make these kind of fantastical other worlds, magical other places that you could escape to. And yeah. I, I think it, it had this place, it, it had this function of uh, creating a home for myself. So it's something that I've always gravitated towards ever since I was li literally a toddler. <laughs> <laughs> so so having that that sense of home having that you're you're making your own like space because of like you, you were touching on the size that so going with that is like huh no that's 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 really interesting like so 
and traveling and having so many different spaces that are home for a brief period of time, did that give you any like added perspective and added like visuals of like, oh, I'm going to add a bit of this influence in what I'm doing. I'm going to have a bit of that influence in what I'm doing. Um, I so the work that I make now, I think it does. Uh, that that kind of background is sure. just unconsciously always going to be in the work. And my work is very fragmented and very much a hybrid. There's a lot of things going on and there's a lot of incongruous elements kind of smashing up against one another. Sure. So I think that that's definitely coming from that background. As a kid, I don't think that that's where I was thinking. I was just <laughs> kind of trying to live, trying to survive, yeah. trying to live my life. Um as an expat, um, I was mostly living in Asia. I'd moved between Asia and the United States and kind of back and forth. Um, I lived in Korea, in Beijing, China, in Guangzhou, China, and Taipei. I went to high school in Israel. Um, and then I'd also come back to the DC area a lot. Um, so I think what I was trying the type of art that I was making as a kid. Yeah. I don't know. Who knows why kids make the art that they make? It's just some, it's a magical language that only children have access to. Sure. And that I have now lost as an adult. Um, but <laughs> I look at the work that I make now yes. and you can tell, I, at least for me, that it's coming from a place of fragmentation and fracture and yeah. maybe uh, a joy in that. It's, it's not necessarily a bad thing to yeah to be fragmented because i was i was reading that kind of uh that collision um with with what you were describing there a moment ago of the eastern and western influences and in some of your work and and kind of talking about as you were saying a moment ago i think we backdoored into what my next question was which is great was like, <laughs> yeah so when you first started how has it changed i think you just described it actually it's like oh yeah i'm realizing now versus when i was like younger this was the type of art i was doing however that art may have been now this is where i'm doing that kind of maybe speaks to that collision or that that kind of um bring together of eastern and western influences yeah, I think it's it's really fascinating to me to look at the kind of work that artists made when they were kids. Yeah. Or even or when they were teenagers or as young adults, the when you 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 were just kind of making stuff, you didn't really know why. And then as an adult, you look back and the same interests and influences are there. Mm -hmm. Um so that kind of interest in escapism, that was definitely there when I was a kid and it's still there now. Um, it, it's just not something that I can uh, escape from. I, I like I like that little turn of phrase there. Uh, yeah, I mean, like when I, I go back, uh, when I was younger, I did some art stuff. I was an uh, illustrator, drawing, did comics and stuff like that. And I thought that comic book artists would be my path. So the that notion of can you make money in doing this and I just remember my parents were very like, I don't know, maybe business, maybe you should do business. So that language, that creative language for me, it wasn't in illustration anymore. It was in always something creative. It went to writing. It went to, um, I guess, what I'm doing now, podcasting and doing it artfully and uh, curating and, and things of that nature. But I returned to the comic stuff, but just in a different way. Now I'm writing comics versus trying oh, cool. to draw them. And 
they're they're ridiculous. They're just cat comics. I'll share them with you later. I've um, got to see it. <laughs> <laughs> and I, and I, but I think you're right um, that some of those elements you can't really escape. Like this is what I was into as a kid, and now as an adult, having that time and that experience, I still am able to occasionally ping back on what I did as a kid, but with that uh, awareness of an adult. Right. Yes. That's exactly what I, I was I was trying to express. I think that's something that's really beautiful um, is that I, I feel like a lot of artists or a lot of students, um, when you're thinking about what it means to be an artist, it, people kind of assume that you have to conceptualize everything and um, have a reason that's really thought out conceptually for every single thing that you do. And um, sometimes it can just be a unconscious intuition and that's okay yeah um so i like that thank you um so i want to talk about materials and process um is there well could you speak on the significance of the materials that you use and could you like walk us through what what your your process is um in in very general terms because i imagine that it would be different you know uh, project to project or piece to piece. Um, so please. Well, different. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> well, I mean, I'm not like one of those artists that changes the, from one project to another, I'm working on lace in one section, like one project, and then I'm moving to metal welding or something like that. Um, <laughs> that would be wild. Me. <laughs> I mean, I really respect people who are able to work that way, yeah. but my work and the like concepts, I guess, around my work are so tied to the material that the material does remain kind of constant. Mm-hmm. And that material is always paper, almost always paper, unless it's a big public piece. I'm generally working on paper. Um, I use a lot of different kinds of papers, um, synthetic papers like Yupo paper, which is like a plasticky kind of material. Mm-hmm or watercolor paper or rice paper a lot of the time. And the reason why I'm very wedded to paper, um, so I was originally trained as a teenager. I um, had lived in Taiwan for a while and I'm half Taiwanese. My family lives, half my family lives in Taiwan. Um, so I'd go back to Taiwan in summers, even when I wasn't living in Taiwan. And I studied under a traditional Sumi ink master, like traditional Chinese painting. Yeah. So that's how I first really learned how to paint, um, was by making these Sumi ink on rice paper studies of chrysanthemums and bamboo and cherry blossoms, like very traditional Chinese motifs, yeah. um, repeated over and over and over again. It's a, like a very specific way of studying and learning this, this art form. And um, that's always kind of stayed with me as like what painting is. Yeah. Painting is paper and ink. <laughs> um, and now I work with paper and ink and acrylic. Um, but there's always Sumi ink in almost all of the paintings that I do. It's always on paper. And I start out every painting by pouring diluted inks or diluted acrylics onto the paper as it lays on the floor of the studio so it's essentially Mm -hmm. like a big puddle on the floor um it's a chance operation it's something that i don't have control over really sometimes my kids do it for me (laughs) Um, (laughs) it's it's just like creating a mark um and creating a mark that is made 
by forces of nature, gravity, evaporation, um, rather than the artist's hand. Um, And that eventually dries over days often. um, And it leaves these very beautiful marks. And I use that as the kind of scaffold or the skeleton that I then build the rest of the the painting around. I'm sorry if you can hear my kids. <laughs> I told them to be quiet. <laughs> no, we're, we're good. We're good here. That's, <laughs> I mean, they're like, look, we want to be credited. You're saying we're pouring it sometimes. We want to be credited. Come on now. Come on, That's mom. True. I mean, my kids were recently in their first show. Like, talk about like privilege there. <laughs> they were, um, a friend of mine curated a show of uh, artists and their kids yeah. with the kids at the forefront in a small museum in Virginia. So my kids can already say they've been in a museum show. Well, wait, wait, till, <laughs> wait till that CV comes out. Wait till those kids CV comes out. Yeah, it's been great. Yeah, and they're they're five and seven, so <laughs> it's pretty early start. Yes. The virtuosos is like, yeah. <laughs> um, and, and, and thank you for, for sharing that. That's, I mean, when you, you, when you mentioned that you're, you know, you're how you view like painting and how you view like, I guess the beginning of your work, your take on it is like under, you know, working with a master. That's a, that's, that's huge. And, yeah. um, carrying on like a tradition. Cause that's, I mean, now I'm interested in it. Like, so how can I learn? You know, just give up these classes. What are we doing? I, I feel very lucky that I was able to study under this guy as a 15, 16 year old. Um, and now I actually going back to one of your questions about how the work has changed, that sure. has been a journey for me of um, this connection to this very ancient practice and a very traditional practice and how much and a very and like a specifically reads as as Asian, um, that type of painting, how much I embrace that in my work and how yeah. much I, I have um, shied away from it, that has been a journey for me. Um, so I'm half Asian and half white and learning to embrace that part of myself, the fact that I am an Asian artist, that that's not something that I need to hide or, you know, pretend is not the case. That's been a long journey for me. So I had a period where I refused to put any bamboo um, into the paintings. Um, And if somebody said, oh, this, your work looks so Asian, I would be very offended. Um, And now I'm coming back around to a place where I realized that the work is autobiographical and it can be an assertion of myself and of my Asian-ness. And um, that's not something to try to hide away from the world. Um, But that's been a long, long journey for me. I'm still on it. (laughs) Well, uh, thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Because I think at times people want, certain things are about identity and sometimes we have to kind of diminish what that identity might look at and look like or what have you. And there may be times where I'll interview someone. It's like, hey, you got a lot of black artists. I was like, well, uh, I am a black person. And <laughs> that's mm-hmm. that's baked in of what my interests would be. But I feel like I can talk with anyone and it's not solely that. But I'm not going to diminish my blackness or any identity that I, you know, that I relate to or that I am a part of. And I think 
that is a journey. And I think um, over the last few years, really em- embracing that that piece for, for me has been important. So thank you for again for sharing that. It, I think it's the thing that a lot of artists of color do grapple with because, you know, at the at the at the once you want to be true to yourself and your work. And then at the same time, you're working in this art world that wants to exotify you, that mm-hmm. wants to, you know, only see you as a, as an Asian artist um, and then put you into a pigeonhole you. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's really hard um, trying to, to figure out how to navigate that. It's, 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 it's uh, traumatic at times. Yes. And uh, I, ha- I have to confront it when people start to know who you are, you're getting the things. It's like, oh, wow, you know who it's like, who's the artist? Who's the, the person doing this? Uh, that's, oh, I guess it's just a black podcast. I guess this is just an, 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 an Asian uh, painter, what have you. It's just like, right. And do, then it, do you like the work? <laughs> that's <laughs> at the end of the day, like, wh- how, what do you appreciate about the work? What do you enjoy about the work? Or what is your take on the work? Not necessarily the, the person, because you almost want to do that blind taste test sort of thing sometimes just to get like a true sense because of that pigeonholding nature you were describing. Right. Yeah. So, this this was a question that um, <laughs> this was a question that was an interesting one uh, that we, we talked about a little bit. Um, so, I what are the things going through your head when you decide to kind of group images together from many quote unquote like failed paintings? I, I read that in a in a quote a while back. And do you use um, to to use in a particular painting to achieve um, hybridity? So in in bringing together like different images or what have you, tell me about that in achieving hybridity. So I was describing how I start the paintings, right? So it's paper, it's laying on the floor of the studio, I'm pouring paint. um, And that's kind of the beginning of almost every painting. And the thing about pouring diluted paint on the floor and letting it dry is it's like inherently beautiful. Like it could be the finished painting just there and many artists would leave it there. And there's a history of Western art where artists have just left it there, like Morris Lewis or um, Jackson Pollock, Um, you know, just making that kind of motion, that a physical gesture, and then allowing that to speak for itself. But that's not what I'm interested in. You know, I'm I'm interested in the chance operation, but I'm also interested in... confusing that not only having the beauty of of this uh, physical gesture but also adding in my own control and interest in detail and interest in decoration um and symbols um like from this kind of personal lexicon that i've developed over over the years so i never just leave the leave that pour i build back onto it and i try to put in um, whatever I think is kind of the opposite of the language that I used first. So the first step of a painting mm-hmm. is this poured paint. So that is kind of natural, uh, physical. And I want to then add on something that feels kind of the opposite of that. So inorganic, um, maybe rigid, rigidity on top of the fluidity. And when you try to combine those things together, it doesn't work <laughs> A lot of the time. So the, I, I kind of liken the the lifespan of these paintings as um, 
they go through, like they, they start out as babies and they have so much potential and they're so cute. And then they go through this like awkward teenager phase and they're just looks so awkward. (laughs) And and there's like a lot of things that are wrong Um, because that's kind of what I'm interested in as an artist is having this process where I'm combining things that feel like they don't belong. That's kind of the whole point. Um, You know, grids with, puddles of water um highly detailed drawings of flowers uh next to those grids um and seeing how they kind of smash together so the i think every painting inherently has hundreds of failed paintings under the surface of every layer of paint until um until it's no longer failed painting hopefully (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. That that clears it up because I was like, I am fumbling on this question here, but that definitely clears it up. Um, so so thank you. Let me see. What, what this podcast is about is providing that extra insight. Like, look, you know, I've read this. What does this mean? Now you know, listeners. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so I got a few more before we get into those rapid fire ones. And, and again, the rapid fire questions, all the goodwill that I'm establishing with you, right? Oh, all, it, I just, all, I just ruin all of it. That's what happens ultimately. Um, and from your vantage point, and, and we don't have to, we can go as deep as you like on this one, but from your vantage point, what is the traditional definition of American art and how is that definition perhaps evolving? That is so. I had a hard time with that question. I don't really know what the definition of art is, and especially not the definition of American art. Uh, <laughs> I I think that um, to me, at least, sure. what the definition of art is is if the artist says that it's art, then therefore, mm-hmm. therefore, it's art. Um, if you've made something and you've called it art, then it's art, and I think that that's kind of the best best definition for art that there can be. I think it probably should be made by you. I don't think that you could just like point to I don't know, like all the phone booths in London and say that that's art. That's my art. What are you talking about? That is my <laughs> art specifically. Maybe your art would be the statement, actually. I guess you could say like the statement of say of claiming all of those as your own could be the art. <laughs> well, now I'm just like going in circles. No, I, I love it. I love it though. I love it. It's, it's, it's a version of, it's a BS artist move. I love it. See another thing. You know? I mean, that's, that's kind of the beauty of art is that BS is inherent in everything that we do and that's okay. And we're going to embrace that. I mean, so much of what I do, I think I'm a pretty traditional artist, really. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm making paintings. They go on walls it's pretty two dimensional. Usually I do move into installation spaces, but it still is like pretty wall based or plane based. Sure. Um, so I'm not going to uh, claim that I'm like expanding what art is. Um, but I think that like what I can say is that I'm expanding like a place for myself for people like me who feel like they are fragmented people who feel like they don't fit anywhere um, and uh, making a place for like a home, as we were describing a home for myself within the history of art. Um, I look at a lot of, I actually consider myself, I talk about myself as a landscape painter, Mm -hmm. even though the paintings look very abstract And I look at a lot of the history of Western landscape painting and then Chinese landscape painting. And as an American biracial woman, 
I often have a hard time finding myself in either of those canons. And so I'm kind of creating a place for myself and anybody else who feels like they, they don't fit that they don't kind of belong. Um, within these paintings. So that's, that's kind of what I'm going for. And that's where the evolution is happening. Um, yeah. I mean, a lot of these spaces or what have you that people are creating with creating in and making their art. in. you know, I ask people on occasion before they hear me talk and all of that stuff from, from this vantage point, when you think of a podcaster, what, what pops in your mind, like close your eyes, what pops in your mind. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you know, the same thing applies to people in their, their practices, whether it be um, traditional, like, like visual art, whether it be like audio, whether it be like sculpture, what have you, what pops in your mind? Because going back to one of the previous like uh, comments, we attach the person's identity with it. And like, what, what does a, what does a painter look like? Uh, anyone, and I think mm, yeah. that's where that evolution that evolution is coming from because there are more voices and more um, perspectives that are broader in these areas. Yeah, so I'm yeah I'm more interested in that expansion within art than um, just than, than expanding the definition of art because at least to me the definition of art is uh, pretty expanded. <laughs> Yeah, is this art? Sure. Yes, yes, yes. It is. Uh, so I got so I got a couple more, and I think this one is. Um, I think this one is, is interesting because you, as you as you touched on earlier, your your collaborators. Uh, <laughs> you say your your mom, and I want to like get get your feedback on how how you you balance and have time to create, and do you set time? Do you build it in? How do you kind of have time to create while balancing like life and responsibilities and things of the sort? Yeah, that's so hard. Um, I think that that's one of the things that artists don't talk or people don't talk about the most uh, around having an art practice. You know, it's, it's, it's not romantic. It's, it's super practical. (laughs) Oh, and it's really difficult. Um, Yeah. So I have a five and a seven year old and just like everybody else, I went through two years of the pandemic and homeschooling and no school you know, not just being at home with these little tornadoes of energy, um, all day. (laughs) It was really, really tough. Um, I, I'm privileged that I have a partner who can help support that. Um, I'm married to a writer, so he also was working at home and we would just kind of switch on and off um one of us would be taking care of the other of the kids and the other would be working and so then we never saw one another but we got our work done um and you know a lot of injury was was uh taken by that but i think that that's the case for everybody who just went through the past two years the way we all did um so during the pan during the like height of the pandemic during homeschool time um i was working at night basically Mm -hmm. So I'd be homeschooling, you know, this is, I, I didn't want to be homeschooling. I was being forced to homeschool because there was no, no school. It was not a choice for me. Um, but I'd be, you know, being a kindergarten student uh, all day long and then going to the studio at like 6 p.m. and staying there until midnight. So, you know, that's six hours. Um not as much sleep as I would like, but I was able to get a fair amount, like more work done during the pandemic than I thought um, at some cost to myself. 
and my family for sure. But uh, it's always, we're, we're all, we're still trying to find that right balance. And if anybody else is able to figure out what the correct uh, proportion is, then please let me know. <laughs> I dig it. So this is the last real question that I have for you before we get to those rapid fire questions. Uh, can you share with me your proudest moment as an artist? So that was another question that I had a difficult time with. That's um, all I have, the hard-hitting, difficult <laughs> questions. <laughs> I, I, it's hard to say. I, you know, like when, whenever someone asks me what my favorite painting is, it's always the most recent painting. Yeah. Um, like whatever is happening right now is always the most important and the most interesting thing. Yeah. Um, so that's a given. Um, but I'd say one really recent highlight that I was very proud of was um, I was curated into a group show at the Krieger Museum, mm -hmm. which is a small museum in Georgetown in Washington, D.C., um, with all local artists and people that I really admired um, and was proud to be showing with. Um, and they gave me the chance to make a giant installation that was like 50 feet long. So that was super, That's really cool. <laughs> whenever I get an opportunity to make something really big, that's also like, uh, that's a highlight in the career. Like if it's, if, they, if I have a hundred feet to deal with, then I'm happy. Um, <laughs> so like any, any chance, chance of those, I, I feel like working large for me, it's like, I want to make something that is epic and immersive that feels like it can kind of take over the space and take over you as the viewer. So any chance I have to do something like that, I consider that a big success. Hell yeah. Thank you. Um, so I got, I got three quick rapid fire questions and as brief as you can, this is what we want to do with these. Um, so the first one, um, I hope, and I hope you're ready. Uh, okay. if your artwork were music, what would it sound like? What would be the genre? Oh my God. I know. I know. See, I, I, I told you people are like, come on, man. <laughs> I don't know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, if my artwork were music, what would the genre be? Well, what would it sound like? You know, because I think that um, I think that makes it a little easier. Maybe I I feel. Oh my god, that's so hard. <laughs> <laughs> See again, hard hitting questions. <laughs> I think it would sound like pop music, um, probably, okay. which makes it sound like my work is super vanilla or banal. No. Um, but I actually think that like pop music right now, it is so much about combining influences. That's like, um, it's that's something that has been embraced so much by, you know, just just the top 40 people mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, and it pop music is also unapologetically um pleasant and lovely to listen to and beautiful uh -huh. um i think my work is also unapologetically beautiful like it's supposed to be beautiful it's supposed to be nice to look at and i'm not going to apologize for that see you you made it seem like it was hard i was like i know she's gonna say pop music i'm just waiting for you to say <laughs> I, I knew it i was just like and then you said it, the, like combining these things different info i was like look 
it's those it's those 80s babies things that's just what it is it was just... i mean it's it's like embarrassing to say that because if it's pop music then it must not be very thoughtful or intelligent right like, so, but actually i don't think that's even true um so yeah i'm gonna stand by it pop music that's, i'm here that's for it <laughs> Um, I'm, I've become very um, interested in reflection. So how do you feel when you're like, when you've gotten to that point where you're like, I finished, I finished a product. I, I'm here. I'm, this project is finished. How do you feel? What's that feeling for you when you're, you've completed your work? That's a, uh, when I've completed a painting, I feel unsure <laughs> if I've actually completed the painting. I think that's the main, uh, uh in, insecurity and, uh, and nervousness and, and, uh, not being certain if the painting is actually finished because these, these pieces go through so many lives as we've described the, the failed paintings within the paintings. Yes. Um, sometimes it is kind of hard to decide this is actually, you need to stop. I also, you know, the work is, that I make, it's very full. It's very busy. It's very maximalist. Um, so I could keep on going forever. Yeah. Um, and so sometimes I have to kind of force myself to not do that. Um, so I, there is definitely not like this shining moment where the, the heavens open up and angels sing and the painting is complete. It's more like this kind of halting, skidding. Uh, <laughs> like, just like, slow, like, Hey, have, we, we have a, we have another hundred feet for you. It's like, ah, <laughs> I should keep going. Yes, yes. All right. So this, this is the last um, question that I have. Um, and, and, and this is, this one should be the, probably the briefest one because I think um, we, we tend to overthink it or what have you. Um, and I know I would. Um, how how do you rediscover inspiration when you are feeling creatively dry? Is it an activity that you do? Do you go through previous works? What 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 is part of that process of kind of redipping and reengaging? Um, at least for the last few years, one of my main go tos when I feel that way, and I feel that way all the time, probably every day, um, is uh, I look at Buddhist painting. Um, I'm really inspired by ancient Buddhist cave paintings specifically. Um, so I've been lucky enough to visit there, these caves in China near, um, the city called Dunhuang. It's in the Gobi desert. Mm -hmm. Um, they're called the Mogao caves. They have centuries and centuries of Buddhist painting within hundreds and hundreds of caves along a cliff in the middle of the Gobi Desert. And um, when you go into these caves, they're just every floor, ceiling, walls, completely filled with narrative, uh, decorative, and repetitive Buddhist painting um, alongside these amazing sculptures. Um, and when I look at those, I also recently... Um, my brother lives in Sri Lanka and I went to visit him a couple of weeks ago. And um, that's also a Buddhist country. And there's a uh, temple in a cave there called Dambula, mm -hmm. um, which is the same. I got to visit that and it was the same ecstatic <laughs> immersion in another world. And that's what I want from all art, really, um, and especially my own. So I go back and look at those images whenever I'm feeling creatively dry. Thank you. You're, you're off the hot seat. You, you did you did very well. You did very well. I mean, 
I mean, a music question. <laughs> I was, I was, I was waiting for you to say, "I, I feel great after I'm, I'm never creatively dry. I'm never lost. No losses." I was oh, waiting I for wish. that. That'd be great. Um, <laughs> so, one, I want to thank you for coming onto this podcast. This has been a lot of fun. It's been great to learn more about you and your work, and just, just your, your, your background. It's been fun. Um, and two, I want to thank wanna you inv- so much. Yeah, absolutely. It's really great talking to you too. Thank you. And two, I want to invite and encourage you to tell the fine folks, the listeners, where to check you out, more of your work, and all of that good stuff. Feel free to plug away. Oh, um, well, <laughs> I'm so bad at this. <laughs> uh, I, um, uh, you can find me online. Um, my website is katherinemann.net. I'm also on Instagram. You just Google my name. You can you can find me. Um, I'm about to have a solo show in San Francisco in May at Dolby Chadwick Gallery. Um, so that's what I'm working towards right now. So anybody in San Francisco, I'd love to see you there. So there you have it, folks. Again, I want to thank Catherine Zulon Main. Man, Main. Why, why do I sound like a, a rapper for a second? Uh, Catherine Zulon Man for coming on to the podcast. And um, yeah, I'm saying that there is art in and around your city. You just have to look for it. <laughs> <laughs>